Hi, I'm Gio. And I'm Renee. And this is Listen to Me Podcast, where you get all the greatest and unqualified advice from qualified creatives. Basically, we go through it so that you don't have to set up any podcasting equipment in your home. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. That's the best I have today, Gio. I'm working with limited material. I was thinking like if they wanted to interview somebody like Patrick, they'd have Just- to set up a mic in their house. The setup of doing this, it's not that it's like a lot of work per se. Yeah, it's you a, like have to do it. It's yeah. a process. Yeah. yeah. Microphones and computers and uh, oh my. Fucking up audio where you get these shitty ass episodes <laughs> where Geo sounds like he's talking That was amazing because we had to have like a little bit of a detective situation where we were trying to figure out based on the audio quality what you did to your mic to mess it up. It's what I didn't do, which was check the test it (laughs) what is your shirt today i feel like we're wearing thematically similar we both have on white shirts okay Gio is wearing uh something with japanese characters on it and a scary bdsm mask Mm -hmm. that's like all studded out Mm -hmm. but it's a muscle shirt that is basically more sleeve hole than shirt like the area <laughs> represented okay, so by the shirt is so minimal. The translation was supposed to say bondage. Yeah. But I think it actually translates to restraint. Okay. <laughs> and... Which you have none. So that's why you have to put it on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that the half of the shirt is missing was because I got a size too large. So okay. the artist who made this is yes. my friend's son, Ricky Gravel, who lives in Ottawa. And, does he have a uh, website? Can we plug him? He does not have a website. I will post a picture on the Instagram of, of this the shirt. shirt. Okay, perfect. Of me wearing the shirt. Cut. Um, cut. Cut. I cut the shirt. Oh, whatever. No. Mm-mm. No, mm-mm. no. I'll cut that. <laughs> cut I'll cut that out. That out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and back to me. I'm wearing a giant sweater, even though it's 26 degrees today, and I have on over-the-head earphones that make it look, when I put my head up, a little bit like I'm cosplaying Princess Leia. Just a little bit, though. <laughs> Gio, you're my only hope. How I've much restraint s- do you have? So should we talk a little bit about our guest today? Yes, we have a wonderful guest today, Patrick Hunter. He's a visual, he's a visual artist, I should say, right? He's a vigilant artist as he's well. He's a vigilant artist. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk today. It's fine. So he's two-spirit. So he's also queer. Hello, welcome. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he does a style of art called Ojibwe woodland art. For somebody who has like a humble start, mm-hmm. he has gone everywhere with his art. Like you see it everywhere, which we'll yeah. for sure get into. And it's just so cool to see somebody who has taken something that is patrick's art is very representative of the woodland artistic movement which is very based on traditional ojibwe art i believe all right let's get into the interview (laughs) patrick is that you i don't know maybe i'm trying to like how do i get my screen going oh here we go 
Take your, take your time. We're just messing around with our backgrounds. As you can see, I'm <laughs> in the Shire right now. <laughs> How are you today? I am good. I'm going to turn my phone off because that's rude. Oh, you imagine you're like, you off. start texting. During, you're like, oh, one sec. <laughs> When's this over? Yeah. Riveting, guys. Thank you. Oh my God. I go on Twitter later and he's like, ugh, in a terrible interview right now. <laughs> Never. So how have you been? How's your COVID experience been? Oh, yeah. I have been kind of busier than ever. Mm -hmm. Really? I'd be making a lot more money if I could travel. It was like the first year that I actually bought a planner. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to plan ahead. And I'm going to oh. put some like, you know, I'm going to book some workshops around the country. And, oh. and I had like at least up until like June scheduled. And then, you know, the one that I really was hoping that I could make it back to was going to be in BC. But I had done part one in, I think, March. Just yeah. as this mm -hmm. kind of stuff started kicking off. And that was cool. At least I got one trip in. What was the workshop, Patrick? Um, I just teach people how to paint. There's always a subversion to kind of doing art when you first start. And it's just the getting started sort of thing. I give them design of mine. We paint the background. And then we use carbon paper to transfer the design on so mm -hmm. that they can just kind of fill in the lines. A little bit of like cultural, you know, an exchange. Like I'm kind of teaching them a little bit about like my indigenous heritage. And, you know, mm -hmm. why are we painting the things that we're painting? And why does it look the way it looks? It's been fun to do that as a job. Yeah. You just did one, you said, with Rogers. I did one online with Rogers, yeah, which was a little bit, not alarming, but it was just, you can't see what they're doing. You just right. kind of, oh. <laughs> yeah. and it's just me talking the whole time. I'm like, well, you know, you're trying to be quick and keep it flowing. You're like, <laughs> what can I tell you about this room? And then, so was it literally just you talking with no feet, like no one speaking back to you? Well, they had quite the operation. So they had like a, there was people on screen, like a host who would field questions from people that could like do a chat to the the host, I guess, fielding some questions. Most of it was just like, he's funny. Like, <laughs> like not a question. So, but it was- Deb, um, that's not a question, Deb. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I mean, I had done a couple before and luckily I had, like I'd done a few on Facebook, like Facebook Live when like the real moments of COVID were just kind of happening. We're like, what are we gonna do? And like, well, we are gonna do a paint class with Patty, so. I've attended some online writing workshops and it's much the same. Like the way they're moderated is like somebody taking questions from chat and then the host is like doing their best, but like can't see anyone, can't hear anyone and is like, huh, okay guys, like I hope this is helpful. Uh yeah. <laughs> so it's like this, like I could see the people that were like the guests, like the special guests and then like a couple of the people from Rogers that needed to be there or whatever. But then there was like ghost people that you could just hear in your headphones. <laughs> oh and God. they were like, okay, now we're on the screen. You'll see a bigger version of whoever. It was like, okay. So what was the feedback afterwards? They loved it. They, <laughs> you know, what is this website? How can we do another one? For the most part, that's kind of the feedback I did get. How did you first connect with Rogers? Someone had won like a door prize and it was my artwork. And then kind of it, it bloomed into Rogers joining CGLCC and then, which is the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce that Gio did his- um, Internship with, yes. Uh, or whatever that's called. Mentorship. Whatever mentorship. Yeah, mentorship. I did it as sorry. well. It kind of happened that way. That's why I'm a part of that chamber is just to kind of like field opportunities like that. That's awesome. Okay, can we like- uh, 
rewind all the way back and Patrick like you introduce let's yourself start. and your art <laughs> yeah like let's actually start because <laughs> this is great and I'm enjoying it a lot but I'm yeah. also like contextualize <laughs> yeah this is the this is the pre-interview yes to get yeah. the ball rolling this is the um, green room chat I don't know I'm mesmerized by your background right now do it should I just turn it off it truly is just a green sheet on the wall <laughs> no this is better <laughs> okay. I'm in my natural habitat Thanks yes. for having me. This is my first. Um, this is my first podcast. It I was is. surprised, I, honestly, I when you told so me that. I'm so honored <laughs> that yeah. you would lower yourself to this ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't wait for your listeners to hear this. <laughs> and Gio is excited to talk about how you guys met at OCAD. He loves talking about that. And I said this to you when we met, when we met. I was like, I thought you went to OCAD. I thought I didn't. We went to. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My mind told me that you did. Technically, yes, I did go, but I didn't go when you went. I went in 2011 for like three months. I came from a college experience, like NCU St. Marie. Yeah. And I took graphic design there and it was great. Like so community-based, like staff are nice. Like even the janitors and stuff. Cut to going to OCAD. I'm like, hey, do you, can you help me find where this thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm busy. This is Toronto. Yeah. I moved there in like beginning of May had the whole summer to kind of like acclimate to life there. So I did kind of know my way around sort of the city. I didn't live too far, but I still sort of owe the money probably, but. <laughs> you were there in 2011 because I was still going to school. I took an extra year. I mean, you weren't in any of my classes. I was like, for some reason, they put me in English as a second language. And then I was, <laughs> in, uh, I was also in like a history class. And I think I only went for like three classes each. And then I was like, not going to go back. Let's talk a little bit about your like positive school experience, yeah. like where, where you where you got your start, where like you were like where it really invigorated your career. Yeah, copy. Yeah, I don't. Okay, so just disclaimer: I don't think OCAD's bad. I just was like not for me. But uh, yeah, I went to school in Sault Ste. Marie at a little place called Sioux College. I actually tried to go to the university, but I didn't have the right U or M credits at the time. Mm -hmm. So oh, it's yes. like the university level, whatever. Like I took yeah. one too many spares and. They were like, if you go do a year of college, you can come back and you'll be in second year. And it'll be like, nothing ever happened. And then I just ended up liking college a lot more. The classes I was in, I kind of felt like there was more to do after. Like there was more of like a, I guess, career trajectory. I dug deep. Like I went into student government. I was like native student council president for two years. Oh my <laughs> God. Civic leader. After a while, it was like not even really about being in design, but it was like, hey, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> the admin staff they're like hey Patrick what's up um, and it felt like a job like and then I had to go do classes but that sounds but, like a way more rewarding experience overall because you actually were, connected to people there yeah, there were like 10 people in my class we and we were all in there from like first year to third it was great it was like a little family it was God, great. It to, so much better than my university experience I got to use like my graphic design skills to like make my own posters for the events that I was doing so I got some really good experience that way everyone should go to Sioux College everyone should just go to college in general what made you transition to Toronto like what was the right so plenty of fish was a big thing at the time oh! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And I, I don't know, I just started talking to, or a guy that I was definitely going to be seeing when I got there, 
And I guess that was kind of, I mean, I did apply to Emily Carr out in the West Coast, but um, Ontario just seemed like the better choice. Just because it seems like, like in BC, you're like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you can work at a gas station, you can be happy, just as long as you're out in nature on the weekend. And whereas, like, in Toronto, there's a lot more ambition that lives there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just like a kind of go, go, go kind of place. And that's what I was into at the time. I think I was, like, 23. That was half of it. And then half of it was I did get accepted to OCAD. So the plan was to just get a Bachelor of Arts, like a university, you know, accreditation, rather than just having a college one cut to... No one fucking looks at that shit anyway. So true. They really don't. It's a industry, is what it is. <laughs> Sorry to all the university administrators out there that are listening to this. I'm just... <laughs> it's a for-profit <laughs> industry. It. You're not wrong at all. That is correct. A lot of what I'm doing right now is licensing artwork out to corporations and small to medium businesses and stuff like that. So it doesn't even require me to like physically be anywhere. I can kind of do it luckily. How are they using your artwork? Luckily, I am both gay and indigenous. So it's National Indigenous Peoples Month. It's also Pride Month. And this is like, everyone's like, holy shit, let's use this guy. (laughs) Patrick, do you want to talk a little bit about your art now and how you bring your Indigenous heritage into your art? I had a great art teacher in high school and she really kind of just taught us many different, I guess, modalities to working with artwork. So paper mache to like sculpture to drawing, you know, traditional senses, painting and all that kind of stuff. And then we got to like the, I guess it's called woodland art, which is like a broad term for Native painting. It began in the 1960s with this guy named Norval Morriso and he kind of painted like our legends and that was kind of like a it was a taboo thing only because like my culture is very much orally passed down whereas now it was like depicted and people could kind of like I don't know why it's a big secret it's great. Well there are cultural taboos do you mind just specifying like that your first nations you're Ojibwe right? Yeah yeah yeah, I'm Ojibwe from Kizikwenen Reserve out in Manitoba but I was born and raised in Red Lake and then escaped and went to Toronto as <laughs> all the young the days do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you were introduced to the woodland style art by your it, high school by, teacher? By my high school art teacher, but then also like Norval Morris. So he's from like around Thunder Bay, a reserve around there mm-hmm. somewhere, um, which is like a seven hour drive from Red Lake. He spent a lot of time in Red Lake painting and kind of developing this style. I just grew up seeing his stuff everywhere I would go and without really paying much mind to like, this is not how most people grow up and see stuff like this. I just kind of thought like, oh, these are kind of creepy, cool (laughs) things that I get to look at or whatever, but they were everywhere. And then once I had that art class and introduced to like what it means and, you know, how to do it and and the artistic characteristics of it, I was, I loved it. And it was like my first 100% ever that (laughs) really set it off. That like stuck in your mind. But it's a very like visually arresting style of art, right? Like I was reading that it's supposed to kind of be like the representation of like, like the spirit of like a lot of the figures. Yeah. Totally. It's like, imagine you have like x-ray vision and you could like, or you're really high on mushrooms and you can just like (laughs) see like, you know, the spirit lines coming or like power lines or, or like the soul of a creature emanating from it. Yes. Yeah. So you're really just kind of getting rid of the external and just seeing the internal. It's pretty cool. I started to paint, I guess, then, then I went to school for graphic design, went to Toronto and realized that everyone there is a graphic designer. (laughs) <laughs> oh, right. 
so it's kind of tough to like get a job and then at the time i'm not sure if it still happens but like companies really wanted like interns to do like a year of basically what i call fucking servitude and mm -hmm. you're working for free and like, i don't understand how anyone could work for free there and then pay the rent so when you were there and you okay you're like okay i'm done with ocad yeah like what happened after that so i've always had a couple people buying paintings of me that's not of me sorry <laughs> i was gonna ask you a question about like what you're painting but i like that all of your paintings <laughs> are just of you yeah <laughs> No, um, I, I'd always had a couple commissions like a year, but never really thought anything of it because I was a like, graphic designer. And for some reason I was very much in like this like single, single mode where I was like, well, all I have to do, all I can do is just graphic design. Like I can't do art and this and illustration. Like, People mm -hmm. will get confused and then- You gotta pick one lane. Yeah, which you, is not the truth. You should do as much as you can. Um, 100%. Luckily, I had some friends from Red Lake that all worked at a clothing shop. I got a job with them doing like, like I did the signage for the store, which was kind of fun. I just did like weird jobs like that, like not full-time, not even really part-time, but just getting paid like little jobs to do graphic design. Mm -hmm. And You're freelancing, basically. That Those were the fun times. And then I, I was like, I really sort of dug deep and tried to find some some clients just did some soul sucking work like the devil's work really which oh, yeah. is you think you're handing in this like beautiful like this is great this is like all of my three years of school is culminating in this one design and then they're like actually can you make it yellow and then put a sunburst and the font bigger and you know sale 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 and i was like ah, just crushed <laughs> So it becomes very frustrating. You get a little jaded after a while. And I was like, you know what? That's not for me. I cannot work for someone like that sucks. Preach, preach. <laughs> this is literally- You're leading the revolution. Gio is now part of the uprising. Oh, He's casting yeah. off his shackles. It was yeah. bad. It's just that thing where every shred of your creativity is sucked out and then put through this meat grinder of criticism. And, and then at the end, mm -hmm. there's no personality. There's no story behind it. Yeah, seriously. So, okay. So you switched out of corporate mode in that sense. So you weren't like designing to briefs and stuff. I'm talking like I know about graphic design and I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> comes up a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I <did my> so <laughs> you got out of designing for kind of like corporate clients and then you decided make to make your own art, right? So like, were you kind of yeah. carrying forward what you had started when you were making that art in grade 10? How did you find your way back? I stopped doing design work for like just shitty clients, but I still had to pay the rent. So I, I was like a line cook in a kitchen. Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. And like not a good one. I tried, not a good I kitchen best. or not a good cook? <laughs> it was like Gabby's on King and, and John, like right across from Tiff Lightbox. Like it's I, a I great place there. in the summer when it's hot outside. It is even hotter in the kitchen. It was a damn oven in there. Yeah. And there was ovens in there. So, you know, <laughs> after a year of getting burned alive by fire grease every day, I was like, fuck this shit too. Like, I <laughs> I'm not working here anymore. And then, at, so by that time, I it was like, I think 2014 or 15. And I had enough people buying my paintings. I was like, if I don't have to show up to this job, I can work at the paintings. And, you know, if I take on like five or six commissions at a time, and if I let them pay bi-weekly or monthly, like at least I know that there's some cash coming in that I can live off of and, you know, pay some form of bills. And that's how I got started in, in sort of being my own business. 
The artwork itself with Woodland Art is, is pretty much nature, animals, spirituality. I've never really shifted away from that even to now. So it's been like almost six years since I've become like a little business. So that that hasn't really changed. Maybe the the delivery of them has changed a little bit. So it's not as many paintings. Um, I made prints of those paintings. So those yeah. still sell through like my website and, and wherever they are kind of like in the country. Yeah. And uh, patrickhunter.ca. Sorry. You got it. <laughs> That's I, I'm the plug machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I, did, I went to school for graphic design. So I started like drawing them digitally so I could, they could have a little bit more application and put them onto like t-shirts and mugs. And that's how we got here, baby. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and even in a Weird short jobs. amount of time. Yeah. like In such a years. short amount of time, you've, your style is so stamped. And maybe because I don't, I'm not just saying this because I know you and I see your work all the time. But I know when it's a Patrick Hunter, you know it right away. And all of the events that we've been to together, like through the CGLCC, through Ernst & Young, like every time it's like, that's Patrick's work. Like I don't even have to see the logo at the bottom. I know it's yours. It's nice to be a little niche and there's not a lot of direct competition in the lanes that I'm in. Like there's mm -hmm. not a lot of indigenous artists that are doing the type of work that I'm doing. They're still painting and, you know, getting good uh, exposure and stuff like that. But like, I really work for it and I go out there and I meet people, I join chambers of commerce and I, like I said earlier with Rogers and how I was got connected to them, like this guy just won a fucking door prize with my artwork and then connected the dots that he could work with me and because I've done, you know, digital work before for another corporation. So it's, it kind of snowballed into a place now where I'm like, I can't wait to hire someone. It's, it's kind of becoming that busy where it's weird to say I'm a business owner, but that's the truth. Oh no, um, for sure. Where you have to like delegate some stuff. Like I can't do everything. And I think it's important for a little while to do as many jobs as you can figure out what your strengths are and then do that and then delegate the stuff that you aren't good at to someone else. Like I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast prior to joining and just, I love like the defeat in your voice. Like, I don't even want to start that website. <laughs> <laughs> and then the victory after when you're like, I did it. <laughs> God, I hated it so much. I, I tried, but there was a bunch of like attempts at least, and then it never happened. And then I was like, you know what? You just need to pay someone to do it. Yes. Let them shine and have something for their portfolio or whatever. And <laughs> it, just, it just needs to work. It, what is that saying about leadership where in order to be a good leader, you want to be surrounded by people that do things that you are not good at, that you can yeah. learn from, and that mm -hmm. they can they can be a leader in that lane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that a little bit of that is like ego as well. And like, it doesn't have to be the Patrick show, you know, in my case, it kind of is, but like, yeah. you know, you don't need to be the star of the accounting. I, is it okay if we rename the podcast to the Patrick show though? <laughs> Did we not put that in the email we sent you? Oh yeah. I'll send it to legal and we'll see. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm also I've legal, the legal department <laughs> right now. It's hard. Right. It is. Uh, that's another thing. Like contracts. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other thing. It is. For me, it's heavy reading. Like I got to do it a couple times. And like, yeah. I actually have a friend that's a legal secretary. So I kind of, I can at least pass it to someone where like, this is what I'm understanding. Correct. Yes. And yeah. And there's so much room for interpretation. They're like vaguely threatening, but then also <laughs> like, like specifically vague too. Like it's. Yes. Yeah. It's they very, leave it open. Very bananas. 
I have a question that's not on the sheet, sure. but if you want to talk about it, like, do you find that you get to balance sort of like your business acumen and all of the things that you have to do as a small business owner with the creative process still, or is it a little bit more difficult to find that? When it comes down to it, work has to get done. Yeah. The, you know, the creative needs to get finished. So there might be some days where it's like, and it's the, it reminds me of college. You're like, fuck, like I have two weeks <laughs> to do that. And so I still do that sometimes, but only kind of because I never go to sleep at night knowing that I did everything on the list. Like there's something yeah. that always that kind of gets brought over to the next day. But I think for the most part, I've been at this long enough where I, I know the time of day that I'm good at doing something. So when mm. you just wake up, you're nice and clear, like that's the time to start writing some whatever you need to get written that day. Creative, I can kind of do whenever, like, cause it's once the design, like, cause I, I the way I work with painting and, and um, illustration and stuff is I'll just do a bunch of sketches and then it's pretty easy to know what to how to paint it after that right because generally clients will say like use every color but blue and it's like oh that's pretty specific also most of my paintings are blue so that also kind of sucks for me that <laughs> was sort of spice of the day with a little bit of a little bit of everything but you know like I said if if it comes down to it and you're under the wire then it's I guess we're painting for 36 hours straight like mm -hmm. Luckily, with COVID, nothing really needs to be on time anymore in terms of like paintings because it's like no one's at the office anyway. Yeah, it slowed down the pace of things, I think, on a, well, on a global scale. So how has the work changed for you because of COVID? Like you said, you've been really, really busy. Yeah. How has it shifted? I mean, I'm getting a lot more work. Oh, sorry, a lot more like people going through my website looking for, for prints and things like that. So mm -hmm. just the day-to-day the -day of shipping stuff out just collaborations with people that kind of need things last minute so like I luckily I have like a large library of digital artwork that I can quickly make into a coloring book like you just sort of slap them all together like convert to outline and you're done <laughs> because you brought up the coloring book yeah. I wanted to bring up the one that you did things to color from mother earth how did that even come up I became the artist in residence for the Prince's Trust Canada, which is a royal charity that works to, like Prince Charles heads it up. Not that he's at the office every day, obviously, as people are there, but, <laughs> um, So they, one of their, they have three pillars of, of the change that they're trying to do. And one of them is through language reclamation. The other one is through supporting veterans. They got a bunch of cash to do a coloring book that would also include um, a narrative that went along with each of the pages. And then that would mm -hmm. be translated into three other languages, uh, which was uh, Ojibwe, uh, Oji Cree, and Swampy Cree. So three different dialects of indigenous languages. And so that's how that got started. And there's actually two books. They were 3,000 physical copies were given to another charity called Teach for Canada that does a lot of work in um, remote flying communities in Northwestern Ontario. Mm -hmm. And then they were just put online after that. So that's the long story of, so you have context as to what the books, how they got started. Yeah. Can people find this online? Yeah. So if you go to the princesstrustcanada.ca um, and you go yeah, it's into- princesstrust.ca. Yeah, you can go into children's books, I think is what it is. And then you'll see a picture of me that all my, my books are underneath there. And you can download them for free. That's amazing. Yes. Did yeah. you write them? You authored them yourself, eh, Patrick? I did write them. Okay. I wrote them. I wrote them with the intent that like someone else is going to edit this, right? And we're gonna. It's going to be a longer process than me just sitting on my couch, like salmon tastes good. Like, 
and it just wasn't. They're just kids' books. I mean, I don't know. Oh, man, yeah, totally. I shouldn't say that because I actually know some kids' books writers. Okay, I no, know, yeah, it was, it's very complicated. So, yeah, I'm an author now. Um, <laughs> Children's book author. And, but they were tra- not translated by me, but they were translated yeah. by um, First Nations University in, I think, in Saskatchewan somewhere. Not to bring it all back to COVID, but um, <laughs> when that hit, everyone was at home and I just kind of was like, here's some free books. If you, if you have a printer at home, please print these out. A little bit of me was like, I wish I could make money off this somehow. But then I was like, you know what? That's not what really this whole situation is kind of about. Like, just put them out there for free. Just, you know, the link is already there. I had this little moment with myself where I was like, you know what? Cash isn't the meaning of success. It can also be service to others too. And I was like, just put the link out there, make it look cute and see what (laughs) happens. And it was shared like like a couple thousand times. I was kind of like a little bit, not shocked, but just like, damn, that feels good. It's an educational piece, right? It's not just a coloring book. It's, It's more than that. And especially now where everyone's locked in their homes, not so much anymore. And Renee and I've talked about this before where people are looking to create no matter what it is. And Mm -hmm. if they can, Mm -hmm. if there's something that there's an educational piece, it's the cultural piece to it. It's, I think it's important. No wonder people are sharing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People, I think we're looking to connect like during the quarantine, especially. And I think there's an opportunity to do that. And I wanted to talk about like the fact that you're two spirit and that also shows up in your work and like have Mm. you ever engaged with people who have seen your art and like it's been meaningful to them like from that perspective as well the term two spirit just to kind of give it some more context before colonization before europeans started coming to canada that would be our like indigenous term for lgbt2qs you know, there's two spirits that dwell in this one body. It's mm-hmm. very special. They not only can they have a perspective of a male, but they can also have a perspective of a female. And that at that point in our culture, like there were kind of a, a split divide between men's and females roles. And, you know, lucky them, they get to do both jobs. So it was like, whoever had like a two spirit person in their household was like, not only were, was that a kind of special thing, but it was like a little, I would say probably revered and respected because they, you know, do more for the community. That's where that term comes from. I don't know. I've never really asked anyone yeah. or no one's really come out to me to say that, like, I really help them with anything like that. But if you're yeah. out there, come on down. <laughs> I think representation <laughs> is really important though. You know what I mean? And I'm sure like for you, you're putting parts yeah. of yourself into your work, right? For me personally, like, or the terms like gay and two-spirit are kind of interchangeable. I don't really like think one's better or worse than the other. I just Mm -hmm. sort of like, I think there needs, from my perspective and from my own culture, I think there needs to be more indigeneity injected into mainstream culture. So that's why I kind of like put it out there that this is a term that comes from indigenous people. And it's just, you know, it's a beautiful way to say gay or lesbian Mm -hmm. or, you know, queer, whatever it is. Having said that, but, you know, that's language for one, but then I think one of the, you didn't even ask the question, but one of the goals of what I'm doing with this job is to inject a lot more indigeneity into the world through the coloring books were a great way to do that. And the reach of that went pretty far. And I'm very pleased about that, you know, not into just indigenous communities where I think indigenous people need to see themselves more as like in the architecture and the design of like cities 
whether that be as easy as street names. And then also like architecture itself would be, you know, another way indigenous people could see themselves like, oh, this is a place that I belong. And it's not, you know, a cold place that is, is like unwelcoming, I guess. Yeah, you're talking to somebody who lives, so I live in Edmonton. Uh, which is Treaty 6. I'm really happy right now because I'm seeing a lot of petitions circulating for giving Cree place names back and also unnaming neighborhoods after like white racist men basically. I love seeing not through COVID. This has been happening for you know the past decade or whatever but it seems like it's really picking up speed and there's like overcorrecting in some ways that's happening whereas you know oh it was just a joke. It's like you can't fucking say shit like that anymore like Mm -hmm. in which is good but for the people that are still making those jokes and and thinking that it's that it's okay to do so and it's like well just kidding it's like do you not see what's happening in the world right now like yeah shut your mouth we're (laughs) we're trying to make this world a better place (laughs) i'm gonna get on my little soapbox renee oh okay let's say you you have this way of thinking your whole life and you've been ignorant Mm -hmm. and you can't adapt to the fact that we are all one Trying and to move ahead, yeah. Yeah, let's move this. Let's pump it. Let's keep it pumping, girl. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if they're the people that don't want to listen, they're not going to listen. It's not up to us to find ways to make them listen either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like, I don't know, because Patrick, you're even saying like, you're doing so much. You want to see more indigenous presence in corporate culture, mainstream culture, just like public mm-hmm. visibility wise. You're yeah. doing the work. You're putting it yes. out there. You're making it. It is accessible to people. Yeah. That's huge work for a one bedroom apartment <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that commercial like it was an infomercial back in like the early, early 2000s if, from my one bedroom apartment i was able to become <laughs> a millionaire some, some google sort of cash ads yeah <laughs> yes. i have been able to and you know if i have to be the one that in some ways sells out in order for there to be more on the corporate side, like for more more movement behind trying to bring indigeneity into their corporate culture, then that's fine with me. I've done my job and that's what I set out to do in the first place is just to kind of just make sure that it's not just like a, a fun thing that they do in June. Let's do it all the time. Yes. And, you know, here's some templates of how to do that. If anyone wants to pick my brain about how I did it, I can give you the play-by-play book. It's not I a love secret, that so you know? much. Yes, I just love it because I don't know if you got that far in the podcast episodes, but our interview with Sam Walker, she's like the same, like Gio at one point in the episode was trying to get her to just give her like, her handles on social media so people could find her she was like if you want my home number you can call me I will tell you how I did what I did and we're like no no I think the last episode I caught was the art lab yeah, that was that her was yeah. Oh, yeah that was that her was okay. yeah. yeah it was beautiful beautiful I love the like sharing <laughs> yeah well hey like not that I'm like so rich and I don't care that I still have to figure out where my rent's going to come from most times. If there's a job that I'm not suited for, if I don't know how to do it, or it's just not the work that I do. Luckily, I have like a role, like not an actual Rolodex, but like, a, you know, a mental <laughs> Rolodex of people that I know that can fulfill that job. And yes, I hope that I, people listening to this show know what a Rolodex is. It's a thing you keep probably contact don't. information in. I don't think I've met, I haven't seen one in a while, actually. <laughs> come to think of it. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Sure. 
you and I have both been involved with the CGLCC, which yeah. is the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. How did you originally get involved with them? I first heard about them from you. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember when you told me you're like, hey, I, I'm part of this organization. And then a year later, mm-hmm. I heard about it again and was like, okay, I think I'm going to apply. Uh, how did I hear about them? I mean, I'm just going to be a hundo percent transparent. And yeah, there's a, go- a gay social media app called Grinder, and <laughs> we're, I'm familiar. we're giving all the people the hookups. No, Patrick is like <laughs> telling people who listen to the show. It's like how we have to clarify our acronyms. Grinder is a gay social media app. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it could be used for, you know, hooking up or, or it could be used for getting jobs or finding more up about, about the CGLCC. Unpaid so. internships. <laughs> so, so many I don't options. Know, like one of the guys that I met was just like, do you want to just meet for, he was just like a legitimately nice guy. And believe nice. it or not, there are people like that on that app that just like want to just hang out and network. get to know you pretty much. Yeah. Network. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit how, how I heard about it. And then, you know, they have a couple like mixers or whatever they're called, like a social gathering, like in this, I think summer and then in the winter. And it's honestly just like a group of either people that support LGBT Q2S businesses, or they are gay and lesbian owned businesses, instead of it being like a, an elevator pitch, like you can mingle and talk to people that work at these corporate places that can give you the opportunity that suits you best. So that's, that's a little, I mean, it took a couple of years, like I kind of kept going to those things. Once you go through their certification process, it becomes a lot easier to work with like places like Staples. I've definitely gotten a few gigs from people just from like at the summit last year when we, yeah. you know, when you pitched for EY. What is EY? <laughs> I don't even know. Ernst and Young. Oh, you mean like PCW? Oh, okay. Yeah. PWC. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Man, if I'd got the acronym right, that would have been funny. Oh, uh, yeah. Still was. <laughs> would um, it have been? I don't know. <laughs> that's how I met them. And luckily, I certified. And then. I mean, luckily, I even went for that coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so the thing about being like an entrepreneur or like a freelancer is that you kind of have to, you have to put yourself out there and meet people yeah. in, in kind of like ways that I think what I'm trying to say is that you have to just be open enough to the possibility yeah. that you could meet someone that will change the course of your work life or, you yeah. know, give you an opportunity that might not be any money at all in the beginning but will turn out to be something that pays you a lot of money years later or like, you know, months later or something like that. Like an opportunity yeah. is an opportunity. And sometimes you just got to take them in and hope for the best. Have you not found that during COVID that because you and I are very similar in that way where we are, we like to network, we go to the events where our faces are very public. And when it comes to that, how, how are you coping with that now that we can't do that? <laughs> We're not allowed to do that. I can't go networking. I kind of laid out all out there on my social media, not in like a weird, like sleazy way, but just in like it, the stories that I do on, it's kind of like my day to day or whatever. Like he's cooking breakfast. Oh, cool. And like <laughs> now he's like writing something in his book. Um, but the, the posts themselves are more work related. I don't do a lot of like selfies or, or anything, but, or like just like dumb bullshit, but However, there are probably, some would argue that there's a lot of dumb bullshit on there, but it's mainly just, I think in, in some ways it's just so social media that, that people are still kind of getting their yeah. dose of old pH. A nice pH balance. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I need to, 
start paying you to help me with stuff like that. <laughs> hey, listen, this is my gig. Like, yeah. <laughs> you need a new persona? I got you. 2021. <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, hey, man, the year's not over and things have been going pretty well. I've also like collaborated with people that I never really thought I would. For instance, like I'm doing cutting boards now. I love to cook. I love a good cutting board. I love making the stuff that goes on them. And now I like, I put my artwork onto them and they look really cool. And people buy them for what I would say is kind of a lot of money to me. Where yeah. There's definitely people that are like, oh, they need to be like 500 bucks. I don't think yeah. anything should be that much that you fucking eat off of. <laughs> uh, and then um, this, this welder was like, hey man, like, can I have one of your designs? I just want to show you like what I'm going to do with it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're a welder, like you're going to like weld, weld it up something. He's like, yeah, pretty much. That's what a welder does. And um, <laughs> anyway, he like, he cut out a bunch of my artwork and put it onto barn board and they looked really cool. And that's kind of like, uh, there's a lot of people out there that watch a lot of HGTV and are looking for that type of artwork for their home and stuff. That's like a little rustic, but really cool. Um, and it's custom. People love and, a barn yeah. door. Yeah. Like truly. Also, you know, it goes back to like trusting people and, and letting them be good at what they do. And he's a good welder that he makes most of the cash. And, you know, I just sell it through my channels and that that's good enough for me. It's It's like another another avenue for people to view the work and, and see in a different way. And I think that's what people are kind of really jiving with, with my work is it's kind of, it seems to be unlimited uses so far. You're like a multidisciplinary artist too, right? Cause you've like done prints and you've done murals and you've done like a bunch of different mediums really, right? Yeah. Clothing. People have got my work tattooed on them. Like I didn't what? actually do the tattoo oh, okay. myself, yeah, yeah. but I, I gave the design to a tattoo artist. And sometimes it's just exactly what I give them. And, and sometimes like I just work with one in Toronto. Well, that's who I like to send people to, but I, I send her the design and then she kind of judges it up in her way that makes it look better on the body. It's oh, a collaboration yeah, yeah. that way, you know, like I still got paid for the artwork that I did, but then she, you know, obviously she gets paid for her time. Yeah. Let people be good at what they, they do and stay in your lane. How are we feeling? Patrick, are you overheating? It looks like I am. My hair just gets curly <laughs> like this uh, when it's hot. But, you know, weird quinky dink. A year ago, yesterday, I finished my mural. Yeah, I remember when you were working on it and you would post about it. I was like, oh, the, the fact that this guy's painting a mural. I'm like, that's so cool. Ooh, can you tell people fun. where it is so that if they get out of their house and they're in the area, they can go see it? Sure. If you're in Sault Ste. Marie. If you find yourself here, go to Mrs. B's and get some pizza, but then also <laughs> bring that pizza down to my mural at Bruce and Queen Street. It's on the Village Media Building on the back side of it. It looks, awesome. it's a big old tree and um, Sault Ste. Marie, that's like the European name for it. It's also called Bawading, which is like a place by the river. I don't know, what is it? No, some kind of like rapids or something. Place mm -hmm. by the rapids. Um, so it's, it's a tree of life that kind of forms into these rapids with its roots and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to get an image of it from you to post on our Instagram so we can, once sure. this yeah. episode goes live, then yeah. we can post about it. Yeah, people are like, what is he talking about? So one of the things that Renee and I like to do at the end of each episode is a creative power-up. It's basically like what currently in your life is bringing you inspiration, what is getting you going, like actually wanting to hustle, work, whatever you want to call it. What's been really exciting for me to do is I've been kind of do making like furniture and stuff lately. Like, like by just, hand? 
it's not as intense as it like I'm not whittling away but you know you just, <laughs> is it like, more I, intense than an Ikea like um, situation less I just like I I had some I had some barn board at my house and I didn't have a coffee table so it's like today's okay. the day I make a coffee table <laughs> and I just cut one of them in half and then I those were legs and I got L brackets and then screwed them in and boom you have a table but then I I would like I drew a design on it and then I wood burned something in it and then I stained oh, cool. I found this stain that is like a really like cool teal peacock blue mm-hmm. and I threw that on there and then it, I, I don't know the wheels got turning and then my friends came over they're like we need to do tables now so <laughs> we'll, you'll be seeing some side tables coming out pretty yes. soon yes patrickhunter.ca yeah I'm like I'm not physically building them anymore but I will totally put my brand on them yeah you that's could, amazing you could basically open up like it, like your version of the bay you know what I mean like where I you am, just have yeah. so many different things that are just branded with your yeah. your work that's yeah. that's the goal yeah I think yeah that's absolutely where I want to where I want to go maybe it's not going to be a brick and mortar shop but you know maybe it should be but one-stop shop where you can get a lot of stuff for your home and like I said there needs to be more indigeneity out there just so it's it's like like we're not an afterthought like Mm-hmm. you know you say you're in Winnipeg and you're like oh yeah natives they used to live here it's like no we still actively live here <laughs> yeah. it's just are invisible it seems sometimes so that's the way to do it because who doesn't yeah. love HGTV for one and a cool pillow done by an indigenous person looks great and feels good because you're supporting diverse own business that's exactly right what a great note to end on I loved it. I loved it so much. I didn't have anything to add and that never happens. (laughs) This was fun. Thank you so much for being here, Patrick. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. If you need a part two, if you're struggling to find guests, there's there's more up here. I know it. (laughs) We'll make you a regular feature. Oh my God. You could be like the corresponding reporter, like the rover (laughs) reporter. (laughs) What's he doing now? Yeah, like one day, <laughs> one episode you're in Toronto, the next one you're at in Red Lake. <laughs> you're like yeah. all over the place. So if that. people want to find you online, other than your mm. website, patrickhunter.ca, where can they, where can they connect with you? Instagram's probably like my favorite one, just because it's just more pictures and stuff, but it's um, just patrickhunter underscore art at Instagram. And then I think it's patrickhunter underscore art as well on Facebook for my like page. Oh, right. well, thank, thank you again, Patrick. You're welcome. That was awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, I appreciate being asked. And, and yeah, you guys are my first. <sighs> and you never uh. forget. <laughs> he was just so lovely. Like, he was just so, so nice. And like, just very, you said, you told me, you were like, oh, he's really down to earth and he's really approachable. And like, I just, it just like cracked me up that he was like, let me like, help like i i help people like it's so i think it's really cool that from even just the few interviews that we've done the content that we've put together we're seeing how creative Mm. people care about like connecting and creating community because it extends past just like this is something that's visually appealing or this is something that's enjoyable to read or enjoyable to do like it's looking for those human connections you and I obviously have a great dynamic and the feedback that we've gotten is really positive. I really love the interview part because I think that that is 
bringing in new energy and it's it's like yeah. one thing that i always struggled with the professional hat yeah oh i'm a professional the business owner I'm, yeah i'm a business owner it's like look at him he's talking about meeting people connections on grinder you know what i yeah. mean yeah but that's, that's, how how <laughs> that's how I met him. That's how I met him. But that's how you do it. And it's like, there's no, it's just like, there's no handbook for this kind of thing. No. And for so long, people who have circulated in these positions of privilege have kept the knowledge like within that little area. So like connecting with people and there are, there are so many great and invaluable resources for creative people online that really, when you boil it down are literally just creatives being like, I wish I had known this. I wish somebody had told me this. And uh, now I'm going to tell you this because it's important that more people know. Yeah. Thanks for listening to me. And me. And Patrick. And if you have any burning questions or you want to know my plenty of fish handle, <laughs> our inboxes are open and you can email us at listen to me podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram. You could DM us on plenty of fish too. If we have a profile on there, we did say we should get set up on all social media, uh, but for now you could just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And our handles there are listen to, and that's the number two podcast. And if you like what you hear, please let us know the ratings, the subscribing. It all helps so much. We really just appreciate do a clicky. it. Click, click. Thank you. And the music in this episode is graciously provided by audionautics.com. Okay, bye. Ciao. Arrivederci. Bye.